0: Nation. Fitna- <laughs> fit Nation. Awesome.
1: Dancing in the kitchen. You singing my favorite song. Swinging on the front porch, just laughing at the dogs. I you swear you love me more when you're whispering at night. All those little moments are every reason why I'm homesick. This feeling that I'm feeling, though no, we don't quit. It's like half of me is missing. Heaven knows. with a line out the door they sold out some little town I've never been before yeah they're screaming my name this is what we dreamed about but out here singing about you baby all I'm thinking
0: if you're a veteran and you're struggling or feel like you're leading a path towards the darkness stop and think about those who are around you think about how they truly value you how they will miss you you are not alone you need to talk to someone someone will listen to you if you feel like you will be a burden to someone or feel embarrassed to talk to your friends or family call the the hotline at 988 and take option one if you're a veteran Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem if you're a new listener thanks for joining us please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel at the underscore misfit nation subscribe and click the bell this will keep you up to date with our latest news episodes and of course the stories of our great guests speaking of which our next guest is a new orleans native She is a graduate of Agnes Scott College with a BA in international relations. She has lived in Mexico City, Mexico and Central America for several years and has worked as a computer software trainer, graphic designer, editor, and writer. After returning to the US, she continued her training, graphic design, and writing career. With a deep passion for writing both personally and professionally, she also founded the Urban Book Editor, which helps aspiring authors through professional editing, book development, and consulting. So, without further ado, let's welcome Michelle Berard to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Michelle.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, well, it's awesome to connect with people. Uh, I, I love how we're all able to do things like this now and that it, it's kind of evened off the playing field for the little guys like me, little podcasts to say, hey, I'm talking to great people, better people than I think even Joe Rogan is these days. So, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I appreciate that thought, that I might be better than some of the folks that Rogan's talking to. Um, no, I think technology has really democratized communications on a lot of levels, including publishing, you know, the podcasting industry, et cetera. It's, it's great.
0: Yeah, it definitely is the equalizer, I like to call it. So, and I just mm-hmm. had another guest uh, talk to him. He went to school at Tulane in, in New Orleans. And so it's kind of strange. You, you said the same exact word. He said democratize as well. That's, all. <laughs> <laughs> <So> that's good. <laughs>
2: Well, that that must be a, a like what New Orleans brain, like a single brain thing going on.
0: A single line right down the street there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. heard it too. Go go go! <laughs> <laughs> so, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about uh, your backstory to how you got this passion mm-hmm. to help help people publish to where we are now.
2: Wow. Well, I have a wide and varied background, as you could tell from my bio, and that probably doesn't even give. Uh, Half of it, because I've always had a tendency to kind of grow positions around me. I didn't realize how much I loved computers and technology until my senior year (laughs) and didn't have money to stick around in school and switch gears. So I always found a way to get into technology. The first way to do that was through computer graphics. So that's how I started working in computer graphics and sales presentations, things that nature, Uh, publications internally for the organizations that I work for learned about, you know, peer-to-peer networking, all kinds of stuff like that, just by, you know, having the interest. And fortunately, working for small groups most of the time, where you get to wear a lot of hats. And from there, moved into technology training, uh, writing documentation. And I'd always had an interest in writing, you know, ever since I was little. I remember even in elementary school, uh, sharing my little. Poems and stuff I would write with different teachers and folks like that. But I don't think I really got into writing until college, where I wrote for the uh, college newspaper, wrote opinion articles, and worked on the literary magazine. So that was probably where I started writing. I started Urban Book Editor in 2012, and it was really in response to me seeing a need for editing services. I was actually a volunteer reviewer for a website called the Urban Book Source. And they would send me, you know, three, four books a month. I'd read those books, do a little review. And I found myself at the end of each review saying edit, 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 (laughs) because it was driving me nuts. And then I said, well, Michelle, instead of being part of the problem by complaining about it, why don't you offer a service? And that's how I started the company.
0: I mean, it's awesome. We already had urban in the title, so it's good. <laughs> that worked out very well. Were you based in Atlanta when you uh, were volunteering as well?
2: Yes. Yeah. So I was uh, in scenic Snellville, Georgia, just east of Stone Mountain. Yes. And uh, it was great because it was you know quiet. We lived right near the woods. So it was really nice for sitting down and just reading for hours on end. And it was really good to focus on work.
0: And you're right outside the hustle and bustle of what is the craziness of Atlanta and the highway systems there. So exactly. You get to unwind a little bit. That's good. Good times there. Mm-hmm. So do you think that uh, writing is uh, like we talked about the equal playing field? Do you think it is equal for those young kids that are in urban settings as compared to those that are in suburban or even rural settings?
2: Well, you know what? Some of that is an education piece, right? Um, and I'm biased. I'm gonna let you know ahead of time. i'm I'm biased about the education system. I am not a huge fan of our public school system in some ways. I don't think that it serves the children as well as I think it might have you know, twenty plus thirty plus <laughs> forty plus years ago. And I, I think it's partly that there are so many kids with a lot of uh, home issues that teachers are dealing with, but also, I'm not as confident in some of the teachers, just based on my experience with them, uh, but I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm biased about that. And so I worry that a lot of the kids don't have the foundation that's strong enough in the English language, the written language in particular. And based on what I see coming through from an editing perspective, I can tell the difference between where people are from by the kinds of um, errors that they make. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: and kind of uh, their verbiage, how they would uh, try to explain their writing to you at that point. You can automatically, without even looking at them or their name. You can probably say, "Oh, I know right where you live. You live in the Lower East Side. I know where you're from."
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean not not to that level, but you know you can tell folks from the Northeast, right? You know, versus folks from the Midwest, from down south, out out west, by a couple of things. One is the way that they phrase things but also literally the types of grammar and punctuation and word choice mistakes that are made. I just noticed certain things from certain regions that, that are kind of interesting.
0: And I'm sure through your work, you've been able to pick this up and become almost a master and say, Oh, I can do this. This is awesome. I can help you <laughs> really help you. Please let me help you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I hope that um, people find the work that I do helpful. It's, it's um, important to me that people share their stories. I, I don't know. I have a fundamental concept, and that is that a lot of the stress and strife that we experience in our culture, and not just here in the United States, but around the world, is because people don't know one another. And we think we're very different. When in reality we're all basically the same. We all want the same things. We all want to be healthy. We want to be happy. We want to have good lives for our children. And I think if we understand that about one another and we understand each other's struggles. That helps us with that. That's why I love that technology has democratized communications and has made it so much easier for regular people to share their stories.
0: Right. And then that's why I started this platform was one to let veterans share their story because a lot of veterans get mm-hmm. all bottled up and they're itching for that way to get that purpose out to get their story out there. So mm-hmm. I started that and then they asked me to bring on experts like yourself how do I write a book? How do I edit a book? How do I get things done? So I've been bringing a lot more editors, a lot more uh, book uh, professionals, a lot more musicians, everyone in to try to help them. And now it's kind of like a free for all of everyone telling their story. So I, I get to learn a lot and meet a lot of awesome people.
2: Well, I think that's awesome what you're doing for veterans because veterans have unique stories too that really need to be told because people who are not veterans like myself, I don't come from a military family. I have so much that I learn by reading my clients' books through, you know, during the editing process. I learned so much from my clients. And then you know, they can share that to other people. So one of my clients actually was, well, he was a veteran later, but he wasn't writing about his, veteran, his time as a veteran. He actually grew up as a military brat. <laughs> and he started sharing his stories. He wanted to write these stories really for his family, you know, kind of like a little uh, keepsake. Them And I read it and I was like, I don't know, Bernard, I think you have something that you can actually sell. And he's been very successful sharing those stories. Because he was growing up in the military, you know, as as a kid of a military family, during the 1950s, dealing with segregation, later dealing with, you know, all of the changes in the United States, experiencing some of that in germany when his dad was sent overseas and so his perspective is is really interesting and he's just got all these kind of um i want to call them sweet novella type you know type stories little vignettes that capture a, a particular time in history and all that was so valuable you know to for him to share
0: and i'm sure for him especially you said the 50s 60s 70 there was a tumultuous time to just even be a military brat at that time and then he decided to join after that I'm guessing which he's a veteran later in life mm-hmm. so even after witnessing all that he still said I'm going to serve my country after that and then that that's kudos to him and and I'm sure he has even better stories from uh, different stories I guess from uh, yeah. how he put a suit on himself uh, moving forward yeah a lot of people can't say that they've been through both sides and those who survived being the military brat and still want to do it my hat's off to
2: him. <laughs> Well, and it sounds like, you know, I've been on military bases. You know, one of my mom's best friends was married to uh, a man who was in the military. So we would go to the bases. Um, my aunt's husband was in the army. So we'd go to the bases. So I had some familiarity, but it's very different from the outside. And that's why I think it's really helpful for veterans, for people who are active in the military to the extent that they can, because I'm sure they have guidelines of what they can and can't do and say, but um, particularly for veterans to share those stories because the rest of us don't really know, um, you know, what you guys experience, you know what I mean? And what's really interesting too is you can bring something so valuable even to the world of fiction, not even just to memoir or, you know, history, but to really do neat things with fiction that just Bring up the creative juices of other people. And I know my kids used to love to sit down and read fiction all the time when they we were little. Think about the imaginations that they can spark with those stories.
0: Right. And get the, like you said, the creative juices flowing in others, not just themselves.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, I think it's really important for veterans to share their stories because a lot of times those stories are kept isolated.
0: Yes. And that's the whole reason I started this to open that chest and get them breathing. Mm-hmm hopefully save a few more of them to keep brothers and sisters with us a lot longer.
2: Yeah, that's important. And that's another piece is one of the things that's really easy for folks. Well, I hope it's easy. I It's, it's easy to say something's easy, right? But I think a lot of folks can start out just by writing um, about their lives, writing about their thoughts, just journaling can help just kind of get them, it helps them a lot of levels. It helps them with processing things that they're going through or have been through, analyzing their own history, recording that history, even if they never want to do anything with it. These are stories that their kids or grandkids, other family members will find valuable later on, but also can help them with processing their own experiences. And then they might find down the line that they've compiled a bunch of stories that can be really useful to put together as a book or you know or even just blog articles they can post online you don't necessarily have to publish a book not everything has to be a big a big challenge a big ordeal <laughs> big production <laughs> yeah
0: so like right now my dad he's 82 and he wants to write down his memoirs but his his wrist hurt too much to type so I got him a a microphone so we can speak to a tablet and get it all to record so we'll have his stories every time he wants to talk about something he can just talk to the computer now and and figure that out so he's an 82 year old man with an ipad i don't have an ipad he has one so he <laughs> <that's good. laughs> they'll have his lavalier mic and talk to it and uh, my daughter and uh, her cousin they'll, they'll transcribe anything that the computer messes up so it'd be pretty cool
2: well and what's beautiful is that you can do that and compile those stories there are software tools like you said, to kind of get that trend. You can actually just record. That's one way you can do it. Um, And then turn that over to a software company. There are a couple that I use, like Rev.com is really good because they offer both a human translation, uh, transcription and the AI transcription. There are software tools like Otter AI and a whole bunch of others that you can use and even Word these days, you can actually record right into Word and it will try and transcribe it. So it's it's so much easier um, than it ever was before to get those stories whenever the moment strikes you, you know, the mood strikes you to go ahead and say something.
0: Definitely and be able to, like you said before, have it those stories for the next generations to learn for lessons that you might take to the grave and not have shared with everybody. So that's why I try to tell people don't keep everything inside. Share what you've learned so others don't make the same mistakes.
2: Yeah, I tell my kids all the time. I want them to make new and exciting mistakes. I don't want them to make the ones I did. <laughs> yeah, don't repeat what I did,
0: please. <laughs> well, you, you, know, you had uh, three children plus your pit bull, plus mm-hmm. you run a successful business. How do you find a time to manage all that that web of stuff to get going every day and move move all those pieces and get it going?
2: Well, the kids are big now, so it's a lot easier than it used to be. <laughs> because <laughs> I only have one who's home's in between sessions at school. He's off at college now. But when they were younger, I did a lot of things. I did a lot of um, meal prep. I, I mean, I was big on time management. I told my kids from the get-go, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so they started sending me calendar appointments as soon as they got phones and computers and stuff like that, because uh, that's just how we had to do things. I couldn't be in... Three different places at once. So I had to be very organized about things. So that was one of my big things was always being very aware of where I needed to be when, and actually now I'm a little bit of a slacker by comparison (laughs) because, you know, when now it's basically just, just the pit bull in me, just Abby and me. So I have a much more laid back schedule by comparison.
0: And I hope the pitbull doesn't send you calendar invites because if that happens, that's a whole other book.
2: <laughs> no, if that happens, that means we should all be frightened because she now has opposable thumbs. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's very scary, but it's also a book. I'm telling you, it's a good book. <laughs> I'm not gonna throw that out anymore. <laughs> so in so with all the authors that you work with, the young authors, I'm sure you have all different levels of ages that come to you for help. How long does it take them to get from I have an idea to I'm self published?
2: Well, most of the authors that come to me already have uh, their manuscript at least partly, if not mostly done, Um, because they're usually looking for me for editing services. Although I do do book development work with them. And in fact, I'm working on a new program to help them take their book literally from the idea stage through the writing, rewriting editing, publishing, layout, all of that into sales and marketing. But most of them come to me already at the stage where their manuscripts are mostly done or, or done. We go through and um, decide, does it need to be rewritten? In which case I send it back to them. Or if it's ready to go through editing, editing can take as few as three weeks with some back and forth um, or several months. It just depends on the author. It depends on how focused they are on the project, basically, right? So if you hand over a manuscript to me, let's say 75,000 words, which is about average for fiction, um, maybe I can turn that around to you in a week. Your job then is to look at everything I've done because I am making suggestions to you. This is your project, right? You are the author. Ultimately, you you have the last word. And if you say, you know what, Michelle, I know you think I should change this, but I really want it this way for this reason then so be it. There are some things I'm going to probably insist on others. They're mostly, your, mostly up to you. So it depends on how responsive we can be with one another in terms of getting that done as quickly as possible, but probably a minimum of three weeks.
0: That's still not bad. Three weeks is not really bad at all, especially if they uh, are, I guess, receptive to your your ideas <laughs> to your findings i should say it's the book that's behind me the 13 step guide to success my editor was my daughter since she mm-hmm. was right out of high school and then she got her uh, her degree in uh, writing uh, uh, writing skills whatever in college so i sent it to her and that that process was probably the longest part of that whole book was going back and forth with her and daddy you can't do that daddy you can't write this daddy oh my god <laughs> <laughs> some of the, some of <laughs> but we got it done, and and cl- thankfully, we didn't kill each other doing it, and it grew and made us grow closer.
2: <laughs> well, and fiction is a little bit more flexible, so most of the authors that come to me come with fiction, although I've also done manuscripts, I've done self help, spiritual books. So, um, fiction you have a little bit more leeway, leeway there, and also because we want to. make sure that we don't change the author's voice too much. We try to edit more heavily on the exposition rather than on the dialogue. So, you know, fiction tends to, like I said, we try to to be very mindful of letting the author's voice and their character's voices come through.
0: (laughs) That that helps them feel like they're in charge too, so that's good. (laughs) (laughs) So you talked about all the different uh, uh, types of uh... Material that you go through and edit. Do you think that business leaders, as they become more and more successful or higher up in the chain, should they write books on leadership or on their journey to help people?
2: Well, it really depends on where they're moved. I mean, I think it's really valuable for business people to write books because number one, they need to share that knowledge. It shouldn't be locked away just in their brains and only accessible to the people who work directly with them. That's the first thing. But It also helps them to establish themselves as thought leaders in their industry, so that can actually help to raise their profiles. It's like an extra calling card, particularly if they decide they want to go into consulting later, or if they want to uh, go into starting their own business as opposed to working with someone else's business. That really helps to show just how much they know and how they've been able to be valuable. So I think that it depends on what they want to share, though. Some of them want to share about the entrepreneurial journey. Others want to share about expertise in their particular fields. So it depends on where they're really where their heart and their mind takes them, because where what it is in here, that's really the most important thing to share. And
0: that's the thing you're most passionate about that you should be sharing if it's something that you hate, it's not probably good to write about. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> Probably.
0: <laughs> I mean, you can write about epic failure, I guess, if you did something for so long and it didn't work and say, all oh, this, all this failure led me to this, where I am now successful.
2: So. Yeah. And that's actually true because that's how most business people are. I mean, I started different businesses before and it takes a while to get good at this.
0: Right. And, and to find your footing to say, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm, this was a great idea, but I don't think this is really for me. I'm going to move on to something new. I'm going to be an entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, Just keep moving forward.
2: Well, and most entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs. They start multiple businesses. Um, the early ones typically don't do so great, um, but there's always something that they learn. You know, there's always something to be learned from our failures and we take that knowledge forward and hopefully help other people with it. So that's really why I say whatever it is that moves them. And maybe that's the book that I should do is about all the different businesses I've done that have failed in various ways and various times.
0: And how they molded you to where you are now as a mm-hmm. successful person moving forward in business. So That's what the steps people look at. Oh, she fell down four times, but she got up four times and kept moving forward.
2: That's, and that's the important thing. I
0: mean, if Thomas Edison would have quit after the first 400 times to put a light bulb together, we wouldn't have light right now. So- or well, we would have waited a little while longer until the next one, right? <laughs> <break. laughs> so you just got to look at it. Look at the bright side of things, the positivity. Uh, every aspect, everything has a positive notion to it and you just got to find it and get out of the, the negative way of yourself.
2: Yes, 100%.
0: So if you could give advice to that author, either young, old, wherever, that all of a sudden, hey, I want to write this. I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. What three pieces of advice would you give them to get, get out of their own way and get moving?
2: So the first thing is to recognize that you are not trying to write for perfection. Perfection is the enemy of done. It is better to write something than to write nothing. So I would say first just get started, whether that's actually putting pen to paper, fingers to keyboard, voice to mic, just get started. It's a practice writing. It's not, some, it's, it's not something you just do perfectly right? You're going to always progress on it. So just get started. Um, The second thing is make sure that you're willing to take advice from others. Once you finish your manuscript, there's a tendency to really be wedded to your words and not want to change anything. And there are so many wonderful processes that you can go through in the rewrite that can enhance your manuscript. And I think you should just get opinions from people not just from family and friends, because they're usually going to want to row your boat and say, yes, it's great. You want to go to the people who are likely to be, you know, real critics, not in a bad way, not in an aggressive way, not in a demeaning way, but give you actual feedback that you can use to improve your manuscript and then take to heart what really rings true to you. Because some things are just a matter of preference. So you don't have to take all of it, but make sure that you're really processing that and thinking through it. And then taking on board what really would be valuable for your manuscript. And then the third advice that I have for them is to get professional services like editing, like cover design, like layout. And the reason is you want to put together a polished product. And it's that polished product really does make a difference. I mean, friends and family will buy an unpolished book. That's true. But The most successful books out there have a polished look to them, and they are a truly marketable piece. So then once you've got the so I actually have a fourth one, even though you didn't ask for it, and that is to really take time building up your marketing plan before you publish. All of that marketing plan stuff should start probably before you go into editing, thinking about who's your audience and who you're going to market to, how you're going to market to them, what your message is going to be. If you don't know how to put a marketing plan together, get someone to help you with that so that you can start to execute your marketing plan so that when you do publish, you have people who want to buy your book.
0: You already have them hooked at that point. That's good. Mm -hmm. Instead of now I've published my book and I'm trying to find you. (laughs) Yes. To get my yeah, family. we're not
2: doing Field of Dreams anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you write the book, they will come. No, it's not happening. now. There's too many books out there now. But Michelle, this has been great chatting with you. Uh, you have a lot of advice. How does someone get in contact with you for your help or just to have the chat with you?
2: Well, I recommend that you contact me on my website. There's a contact form at urbanbookeditor.com. I do have people contact me on Instagram or Facebook. You can find me as Urban Book Editor there as well. I just signed up for TikTok. Well, I've been on TikTok for a minute, but I just started doing TikTok videos. You can reach out to me there. Just know that I will direct you back to my website because I don't typically do business through those platforms. I just, I like to get everybody through the website so that we can have Good conversations via Zoom, and I can really get to understand what your project is and how we can work together.
0: Awesome! Thanks for sharing that, and uh, hopefully, our listeners uh, grab some of that advice. Even though you, get, you gave me four, to bonus round that was good, and <laughs> I grab all your advice and everything else we talked about as well. Should help an aspiring author to get in the right the right path and move towards uh, publishing a book. And I thank you for all your advice.
2: No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and I really hope that your veteran listeners will consider writing books we need those stories out there it's important that they share them
0: thank you you know how we do this thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on this fit Fit nation be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible if you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on the misfitnation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are... Fit fit Nation.